KFUO is a listener-supported radio ministry that needs your support to continue. When you partner with KFUO, you are proclaiming Christ worldwide. November 30th is Giving Tuesday, a day that encourages you to give back in whatever ways you can. Giving Tuesday presents a perfect time each year for you to support your favorite nonprofit organizations, including KFUO Radio. To give to KFUO, call 314-996-1518 or text KFUO to the number 41444 or give online at kfuo.org. Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Today is Thursday, November the 24th. Happy Thanksgiving to you, all of our listeners. This is a time that we join together as families and as Christian people, giving thanks to our Lord for all that he gives to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. The freedoms we have as Christian people to know that although, as we hear here in Song of Songs, although we are lowly and dark in sin, it is our Lord who has showered his grace upon us and welcomed us as a church as his bride without blemish. This is what the joy we have right now because this next hour we gather around the true word of God as we study and continue to study the love poem of Song of Songs. As I said, we put on our Christ goggles because if you just read this as straight up text, why is this in the Bible? When we put on those Christ goggles, we realize that this is about God's love for us in Christ. That's the joy we have this morning on this Thanksgiving day for the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is graciously supported by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. For more information on their great work, visit lhfmissions.org, lhfmissions.org. I also wanted to say this this morning that there's many ways to listen to KFUO, and one of the ways you can do this is to listen to the KFUO app on your phone. All you have to do is go to your podcast on online and look up just KFUO. And when you look that up, click on it, and you'll be able to listen to it, as I said, anytime, anywhere. An easy way to get on there if you just think you have to do it on your computer. You also can do it on your phone. But today, as we study God's Word to help us to be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome regular guest Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer of St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri. Pastor Klostermeyer, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me today. Absolutely. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you and uh, enjoying it. It's a beautiful day in the Lord. So, uh, Pastor, tell us what's going on for you, your family. It's been a while. I was looking this up. It's actually been since March since we've been on together. So what's been going on for you, your family, and the work of the saints at St. John? Yeah, it's been a, a busy season, a busy Year for us here at St. John's. We built a new addition with a new fellowship hall, a new offices, and, and um, bedrooms, and a, a conference room. And so it's been a big, huge addition, and uh, I never want to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a construction guy, and I will never, never uh, pretend to be one. But, uh, it's been a wonderful, uh, wonderful blessing to us, and uh, we're just about done. We just got a few end things to do, a few finishing touches. But it's been a uh, 
an amazing, uh, amazing journey this last year. Well, and that's a reminder for you, our listeners, to uh, not only today to give thanks to the Lord for all he's given to us, but pray for your churches as they go through those kind of transitions, whether it's a major rebuilding or remodeling of a church or they're building on, or just like simple things. You might think that, oh, cool, they got all that done, but there's so many man hours that goes into it, the the, the committee that they create, the different people that have to work on it, the, the meetings, the minutes, and even the pastor who maybe, if you're like me and Pastor Klostermeyer, we have no I can't, well, I just say myself, I can't fix anything. Um, but it doesn't mean that you're not involved and you're not involved in the process. It can be quite stressful. So pray for the saints of St. John Warrington as they get close to finishing their project and to all, to God be all the glory. Anything else going on for you? Uh, nope, just getting... Uh, ready for Advent and Christmas, and it becomes very busy time very quickly. Absolutely. I'm into that. So let's do what we always should do, even during a busy time, is point our eyes back to Christ. So, Pastor, as we put on our Christ goggles for today's study, can you begin us in prayer? Most well, certainly. Lord God, that it is, is Thanksgiving Day, and so we thank you for all that you've given to us, that you have provided for this body and this life and for the eternal life to come. And so we ask that you would continue to bless us with your word, and especially now as we study it, that we would know your love story for us. And as we continue to learn from this Song of Solomon, that you would help us to continually grow in your grace and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we begin our time today, if you have any questions concerning our text, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. So, Pastor, as we come to Chapter 3, we've, I mean, we've been very blessed. We've had uh, Dr. Chris Mitchell, um, who wrote the commentary on Song of Songs. You know, we've had John Lekomsky, we've had Nathan Metter, um, and we've had, now we have you. And so Chapter 3 brings us on a unique journey in this book, because it lays out the he, she, you know, he said, she said dynamic in chapters one and partly in chapter two. Um, and now we get to kind of a, just kind of like a, I would say a randomness, I would say in chapter three, as we look at uh, the Shulamite woman and we see it with Solomon and how it all connects. So it can be confusing. So how do you want to start us off that we can start off on the right foot? Well, we can start People are looking in their Bibles. It's kind of divided up into two parts, verses 1 through 5 and 6 through 11. And we have the bride's dream, and then Solomon arrives for the wedding. And so um, as we look at the whole Song of Solomon, we can't look at it in a linear fashion. It's uh, kind of, I almost think of it as almost a... uh, a movie with lots of flashbacks and lots of it's almost uh, hard to keep track of where they are in the timeline of the story. If you want to think of the Song of Solomon as a story, it's hard to uh, uh, it's hard to keep track of where you are in the story when it comes down to it. But uh, um, so chapter three is kind of uh, um, they're taking a step back from the. Uh, back and forth between he and she, and uh, and uh, they're more uh, focused on, uh, well, first again, the, the bride's dream, 
and then uh, uh, Solomon arriving for the wedding. So maybe we should just get into the first few verses. Exactly, yeah. And to, to come up with a theme is a little bit difficult in this one. And like you said, if you were to look at a lot of parts of the Old Testament and parts of the New Testament too, it doesn't follow that nice linear fashion that we want stories to go with, especially in Western culture in America in the 21st century, is we want, okay, this began, and this came, that came, the end, happily ever after. Amen. Well, that's not at all the way this is. Plus, they're thinking in a whole different mindset. So it does take a challenge, and that's why it's good for us to, even though there's only 11 verses today, for us to slow down and to remember the filters. Now, Pastor, so far... We've talked about the filters is obviously, where do we see Jesus in this text? But secondly, that when we look at Song of Solomon, that we see it through the lens of God's love in Christ for his church. So you see Solomon, you see the Shulamite, you see others in the story. And it's good for us to remember that this is a reflection and a precursor, if you will, preparing us for the coming of Christ and to see his love as he loved the bride he loves us and has died for us. Any, any other filters or thoughts you have as we look at um, not only this, but the whole chapter or a whole book? You can, uh, like you said, you always have to uh, keep in mind that all Scripture is about Christ and his church. And so that's uh, most definitely the case. But there's also then this uh, time period, so it's almost uh, can have a double or even you know, triple meaning. Mm the whole song of Solomon, it can be uh, an actual love song and love story between two people. And then it can also be a teaching on God's love for his church, as he said. And, and then it can also have just some teaching, almost in Proverbs, like, and teaching on human relationships. Mm. And teaching on how we should be, especially the song of Solomon, in our marriage relationships. And so uh, God's word Right. Well, let's dig into this. As you said, we, we, we don't ever want to make it sound like, well, whatever you want it to be is what it is. We, we go through the process, like you said, of determining what is there. And the beauty is when we're able to look at it faithfully, we're able to see that um, there's a few pronged meanings to this. And so let's dig in. Let's just do this. Verse one, because it presents an issue. So verse one, reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version, Song of Solomon, verse one. On my bed by night, I sought him who my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. So this is the Shulamite woman, and there's a problem. What's the problem here, Pastor? Well, uh, from the title and from my study of it, we understand that this was a dream that the bride had, that this woman, the Shulamite woman had. And um, so she's having a dream, and she is searching for her, uh, um, I'm not sure if it was her husband in the dream, yes or not, 
So she's searching for the one whom uh, her soul loves, but she can't find it. And so um, she's uh, distraught. She's, uh, it's, a, it's not a happy dream, it's a nightmare. And uh, so it's the, uh, and, but even in her dream, it's night. And so she's looking for this, uh, for her husband, for his man, and she's um, searching on the species to, and those things are going to the streets. But there's a, um, you know, a nightmare quality about it already. And so as you look at this, it's interesting to me that there's a few, uh, few theological thoughts that people have had is by night, you know, whenever there's a night process, there's, it's kind of a darkness that's there. There's um, uh, evil is maybe not the right term, but, you know, definitely a, a time because when you have the light is, Jesus is there, and you have night, so there definitely is that darkness theme of of being lost, if you will. And she's searching for her her husband or future husband, and it just kind of reminds us of a few things. Uh, first of all, like Mary Magdalene and those who ran to the tomb searching for Jesus, mm-hmm. which I found to be a theme that they were talking here that that they they long for the. Uh, um, to find the Christ. And in many ways, in our world today, we kind of long, how, where is our Savior? You know, where is all of this? And I definitely feel that from time to time, as as we we have seen the last week, has been kind of a difficult time when you see something like what happened in Waukesha or you see other things in the world. And you kind of like, okay, uh, where is the Lord is a theme that I found quite a bit and also felt as I read this as well. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's uh, the the nightmare is real, <laughs> yeah. uh, so to speak, and that we, um, you know, as pastors, we get to see beside the bed the people um, who are often in, in great pain and uh, in cancer or some illness, and you know they ask, "Where is God? What's going on? Why is God doing this to me?" and, and uh, and there's sometimes there's just no answer that will suffice. We can all talk about well, it's because of sin that we suffer, because of sin that we die. But that doesn't necessarily bring the comfort. And so we always got to kind of we'll see in this passage that God is always near, and that He is never found by those who seek Him. But sometimes. We get a little bit lost in ourselves, and we're searching in the wrong place. So we need to remember where he is found as well. And this obviously is going to point us to God. You know, as we are searching for him, there's, there's that reality of our relationship with the Lord, which is, you know, very clear throughout Scripture. But right now, she can't find him. She doesn't know where he is. So, mm-hmm. moving on to the next few verses, any any thoughts before we move on? No, no, not All right, <laughs> all right. We'll do verses two through four. Two through four, and she says, "I will rise now and go about the city, in the streets, and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. The watchman found me as they went into the city. Have you seen him whom my soul loves?" Scarcely had I passed them when I found him, whom my soul loves. I held him and would not let him go until I had brought him into my mother's house and into the chamber of her 
who conceived me. So there's there's obviously poetic language to this, where she keeps saying, not, I was looking for Solomon. Where's Solomon? There's poetry in this. So who my soul loves, she is searching for. So break that down for us a little bit, what what the progress is in this poem. Well, it's a, um, you know, when we're thinking uh, poetically, uh, we think of how um, we're, we're building towards an end. At the same time, poetry often resembles real life. And so uh, there's a, almost a panic about it. I'm going to go into the streets and then into the squares. And no, he's not there. And I thought him there. Where is he? I can't find him. And there's a, there's a, almost a panic or just a, a scared woman who thinks he's lost or the, the one who her soul loves. And there's also, um, you know, if we're thinking, pointing to God and thinking about the bride and his, our relationship, the bride, the church and our relationship with God, you know, uh, when we're searching and we're not able to find and what we're looking for, we often get into a panic ourselves and we're, we're trying to fi- figure it out. We're trying to find out and we just uh, and we can't focus and we can't. Uh, um, or um, when I think about this, I think about a, a little child uh, who is lost and, you know, or a parent looking for a child and how a parent would panic uh, because a parent loves their child so much and just not being uh, uh, able to see that child just for a moment or two uh, creates a panic for that for that for that mother for that uh, parent. So it's uh, but then immediately, um, scarcely had I passed them when I found him in my soul. Then whoosh, it's all taken away. The panic is gone, uh, and it's. Uh, you're filled with relief, and so she is uh, so overjoyed that she's found him, that she holds him and won't let him go. And so, I think you already talked about uh, Mary Magdalene, and um, you know, uh, at the at the empty tomb, she turns and sees Jesus, and Jesus tells her, "Don't hold on to me. I still have to go to my Father and your Father, my God and your God." Yeah. And so, um, there's this uh, almost prophetic prophetic words here that I'm holding on to him. I'm not going to let him go. But I don't know how many times I've used that sort of phrase in a sermon when I say, hold on to Christ. Hold on to him. Don't let him go. He is your love, the love of your life and your eternal life. So hold on to him. Thank Jesus, you know, to say. And so there's that relief that uh, the Shulamite woman that Shulamite bride feels in uh, so excited, and he won't let him go. And and then he brings him into his mother's house, and uh, you know that can refer back to Genesis. He will leave his father and mother and unite to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And uh, so he leaves father and mother, but oftentimes, uh, from what I've read, this is what would happen. Uh, the husband would go and uh, live in the town of the uh, wife. Mm. And, and they would come together, uh, and that's where they would have the honeymoon, would be in the mother's house. 
so the the coming together as one and uh you know to think about ourselves the church and us uh, the church in christ uh it's no longer i who live but christ who is in me and we are uh, the bride of christ and so he comes to us and uh, makes his home with us and that was a theme in chapter one where it speaks about how the groom brought her into his chambers. And this comes into, you know, Jesus says in John 14, where I prepare a place for you in my house or many rooms or many mansions in the, in the, uh, in the old translation. And you have that, that understanding of all the Lord brings us in. And I, and I love how you're talking about with Mary Magdalene and clinging to Jesus. And it bring, it brought back one memory for me. And this, kind of brings the emotions into the room is I remember I went to a gopher football game as you know you're a Minnesotan this is why I love talking to Pastor Klostermeyer born and bred Minnesotan I brought my daughters I have you know I have three daughters two of which I brought and they were younger I remember we went they went into the bathroom obviously I can go in with them and then came out one daughter walked one way I had to go grab her came back and I remember my other daughter was crying and this lady was talking to her because she knew that she was lost. And it was just that moment of, oh, my gosh. Not that I had necessarily lost her, but you could feel that walk, even if it was 20 feet, of feeling that separation. Like just that short amount of time period brings a high anxiety. And the bride felt that with her groom. It's, a, it's not a dream. It's a nightmare, as you said. And then the relief of finding her groom and the relief my daughter had when I was standing right there we can feel that. I mean, this is a this is not only a poem. This is something like you said that you you can feel it. You know that that here was um, the groom, and the groom was not lost, and he probably he probably was fine, and, and she was you know just kind of forgot this or forgot that or whatever it might be. But that reunion, clinging to him, boy, how many times do we feel like we've lost the Lord the whole time he's there? But he doesn't say, "Why did you forget me?" No. He just wraps us in his arms like a fa- like the father did to the prodigal son. So, any thoughts on on, on on those dynamics? I mean, it's just I love your insights into this. Do you have anything else? Well, you know, even pastors with their real close everyday relationships with God, sometimes in the busyness of our lives and in the world, and you know, when we when we're raising kids, we sometimes think that we're idiots you know, because we're and then we get we start to get panicked because we didn't do this thing right with our kids. We didn't say that thing right, and so we feel like we've lost and we've done the right thing. And there's pastors, uh, uh, I think I heard uh, Pastor and Tuesday talk about how he wishes he would have done many things differently as a pastor over his 40 years, and so we get that kind of a panic about our own sin and how we don't always do the right things. And, and so, like you said, we get kind of lost in ourselves. And so that seems really uh, right there for us. Uh, our groom, the Lord, our uh, husband, and we, the church, is God. And so, uh, as I say, the husband protects and cares for and keeps his wife and his family safe. And it's all of all those things for us. And, uh, you know, can't say we can live in three weeks. We can be relieved every day. 
of our of our burdens, of our sin, of our anguish, of our anxieties. We can uh, put that all off and just uh, run, run to Christ and cling to Him and not let Him go. I love the the hymn. Uh... Uh, chief of sinners though I be, and I, I know it relates. It's a little bit different, but I don't, it relates in the language especially. Verse 2 of Chief of Sinners Though I Be. Oh, the height of Jesus' love, higher than the heavens above, deeper than the depths of sea, lasting as eternity. Love that found me, wondrous thought, found me when I sought him not. And this is mm-hmm. where um, we definitely get that feeling of, okay, she was searching for him. She was asking around for him. She found him. As Christians, we believe that, you know, it's not like Jesus is lost. We're kind of lost in ourselves, as you said so well. At the same time, it is the Lord who founds, finds us when I sought him not. And I think that just it, it brings us back into that understanding of who God is um, so we don't get lost in ourselves, but we see the scriptural, the scriptural reality that God is always there. This is a nightmare, not reality, <laughs> that the Lord is not far from us, but yet he is close. And I'm finding this too, Pastor, as I'm studying this, so much of our hymnody, so many Christian songs are interwoven into Song of Songs. I never would have thought, like, how sweet the name of Jesus sounds. Chapter 1 is all over the place. It's exactly what he's talking about. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds, the fragrance, the offering, the, the name, the, the sweeter than wine. All this language points us to this wonderful um, book. So I, I never thought about that very much, so I, I wanted to include that. Anything else in the first four verses, Pastor? Nope, I think we covered it pretty good. <laughs> We're doing pretty well here. So you know what? Actually, we better take our break. It is that time. We're getting into this really exciting stuff. So we are studying Song of Songs, chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter three with Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer, and we will be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Song of Songs, Chapter 3, with Pastor Jeremy Klostemeyer of St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri. And Pastor, as we, as you said, we are good to go in the first four verses. So what I want to do now is just read verse 5, because this brings up some unique aspects to this. Nothing, I would say, that's too crazy, but I want to make sure we get the dream done before we get the, the Solomon arriving for the wedding. I mean, this is the preparation. And one person put it, verses 1 through 5, is kind of this now and not yet understanding of theology and how Scripture speaks, which I'd like to hear your thoughts as well. Verses 5. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Now, these are... Fascinating words. I'm not exactly sure what's being said overall. What did you find on verse five? Well, it's a 
it's an interesting thing. It's almost, you know, as I was reading through this, it's almost like she wakes up from her dream and all of a sudden she's talking to some some ladies who are with her right there and, and she says, uh, don't rush into love. Don't mm-hmm. uh, uh, stir up or awaken love until it pleases, until it pleases God. And so I think uh, it's almost like a little wisdom literature that right she's trying to to uh, say, you know, just let it, just let it happen. Don't try to force it. Don't try to, uh, you know, make uh, make something that's not there. Um, you know, just uh, just let God uh, give His love to you, so that you can give your love to your spouse. Um, so that's, you know, when I was talking about how. We have, uh, this can have all sorts of meanings, hmm. uh, depending on, of course, the, the hermeneutic and the text and all of those things. It can, um, you know, this, there, someone is known for is wisdom literature. And so there is a bit of wisdom in that one verse. And it's also repeated in chapter two, verse seven. I mean, it, it started in chapter two, verse seven. And it was actually said by him. It was written by Solomon. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and does of the field, um, and and that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And so it is. It definitely is a poetic understanding. He said it. She said it. Like you said, don't force love, which is a good wisdom for us in this side of eternity. Obviously, the love of God is something that you know. I guess is forced upon us. Thankfully. Uh, but but here definitely gives us that little bit of wisdom that, to be honest, is a little bit understand a little bit hard to understand overall. But I think we I do get it though, where you can see how love can be forced, and that is definitely not the love that we see throughout this book of Solomon and the Shulamite woman. Anything else in the first five verses, Pastor? Um, well, just uh, that. Um you know, like we talked about, how uh, nightmares uh, can be reality for some people, and how. Uh, but when you're looking for your true love, and you're looking for God, um, and you're looking in the right ways in the right places for God, He will find you, and He will. There will be relief. There will be peace. And uh, when you're searching for the one true love of your life, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, this also presents the now-not-yet dynamic. So my understanding of this is that right now we're kind of in the courtship stage again, that they're not quite married yet. So we do kind of go back and forth throughout this book. And here, they're not quite there yet. So that, it's that dichotomy of now, you know, I'm engaged, and, and he's the one I love, and he loves me, and... But we're not quite married yet. And you're married, I'm married. I kind of remember that stage where we're like, well, this is my fiance, um, but you just can't wait to get married. I mean, it was like I was during seminary days, and I can't wait to get married. It was so great. So you're there, but you're not yet. But this relates to our Christian lives as well, that we're here. We have Jesus. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have salvation. But yet it's not all fulfilled yet until Christ returns. What are your thoughts on that dynamic compared to this? I read that in a few places. Any thoughts? Yeah, and you know, that first five is kind of the way it is. Uh, you know, it's a now 
already, but not yet. And uh, you know, um, a lot of times, uh, as a Christian living in this world, it's frustrating because um, we're, we're, it's almost like we're in that uh, engagement stage with God. Uh, but even though we're not, we are uh, fully in. Uh, we are fully with Jesus already. Christ already lives, and uh, sometimes it feels like we're. Uh, and, you know how many times recently, even as we uttered the word, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Mm. You think of all the struggles that people are going through in this world, and so they want Jesus to come quickly. But, you know, even Jesus tells us the end is not yet, and uh, be patient and wait, and, you know, look for me, look for my salvation, and keep yourselves ready and be awake. We've heard the past couple of weeks, you know, here again this Sunday, and that's the leader. Be awake and be ready for the coming of our King. And that's a good that's a good point. That was from Sunday at our church too. Was Mark chapter thirteen, where he says it twice: "Stay awake." And that um, mm. that definitely is that relates to the bride's dream as well. That that this mm-hmm. might have been your dream, but stay awake. Obviously, not stay awake without ever sleeping. But let's stay in reality here. And the reality is that the Lord is coming, and the Lord come cool. quickly. Revelation twenty two, and 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 there's just pain that surrounds us, but here it's showing that cling to Jesus, as you said so well. That's something I have to, boy, I didn't think about that a whole lot with that beginning part here. I was just thinking about dreams, but it is, it, you know, cling to Jesus is the mantra of the Christian until Christ returns. Um, and there's a certain amount of verse 5 where it really definitely tells us not to get anxious. Jesus tells us that all the time, too, that God's got this. It's all in his hands, not ours. But we sure do get anxious, and so it, it definitely is a now, not yet. We're waiting, but boy, what joy there is. But boy, it's not done quite yet. So, Pastor, anything else in those first five verses? Nope. All right. You got it. Well, let's keep going. Now we have Solomon enters the stage. So now, you know, you have the groom who comes into play. So we read verses 6 through 8. And what is that coming from the wilderness, like the columns of smoke? Perfumed with perfume, excuse me, with myrrh and frankincense, with all the fragrant powders of a merchant. Behold, it is a litter of Solomon. Around it are sixty mighty men, some of the mighty men of Israel, all of them wearing swords and expert in war, each with his own sword at his thigh against the terror by night. My first thought was, you know, is that a bird? Is that a plane? No, it's Superman. Um, <laughs> it's it's coming. Kind of what is that coming up from the wilderness? And so, what 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 is this capturing here? Because it's it's kind of like, like I said, a comic book of Superman or something. So, what's happening here? Well, if uh, you know, again, we can think about the coming of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord Jesus, and He's going to come with the clouds and all the angels with Him and. And every eye will see him, and, and it will be a glorious day. And so, this is kind of a reminiscent of that a little bit. And if you want to think of it in the terms of the wedding uh, celebration, it's the coming down the aisle uh, of the beautiful bride. Or the, um, and you can look at it from both perspectives either it's the woman coming to 
the man, you know, the, you know, the Solomon coming to uh, the Shulamites, or uh, either way, they're coming together, but it's a glorious fact, and you see that there are, uh, you know, it's Solomon, he's the king. So he's got a, uh, you know, that word litter is used, um, it's not a word that we use much in English, but it's, it kind of refers to, uh, I guess the equivalent day would be a stretch, stretch limousine. Um, but, uh, it's the litter of Solomon. It's kind of a, uh, whole bunch of guys carrying him on a, on a cart. Maybe even, um, he's got a, 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 a wagon with, uh, you know, very beautiful feet on it. You know, a king's, uh, Chariot with a bunch of horses, and then he's got 60 men running alongside, and, and just this big, beautiful uh, thing coming from the, from the wilderness. And so, um, I can harken back to the Israelites coming out of the wilderness uh, and coming into the promised land as well. That there's, uh, uh, you know, we have these the columns of smoke, you know. A pillar of fire when I and a pillar of cloud by day, and then the Lord God led them out of the wilderness with that. And, um, so there's all sorts of imagery in these verses. Um, at the same time, it could just be um, the uh, either Solomon or the bride remembering their wedding day as well. And how you can look back on your own wedding day and how glorious and wonderful and special it was. As well, so it's a it's a beautiful sight all the way around. And as you look at this, I, I, I can't help but think about Ephesians six. You know, the armor of God to put on the whole armor of God. That here he comes, and there's these mighty men and the swords and so forth. And so it is also a reminder of not only is God, you know, coming like that from the clouds. It points us to that. Resurrection realities, which also has been part of the church year as we got to the end of the church year last week. But also is a call for us that he gives us the armor of God in order to withstand in the battle that, you know, that the current now and not yet is that, yes, he will be coming, but also he's given us the tools that we need to fight and to st- and cling to Jesus, as you said. Um, the same thing for this marriage is obviously that the Lord has sustain them in their marriage as he will continue to do until Christ returns as well. So I think this is a good time for us just to kind of bring up the daily battle that we as Christians will endure until Christ comes again. Um, what is your encouragement for, for all Christians as we know that there's a battle every day, that the battle is not yet done? Um, what's your encouragement as we look at these passages to remind us that you know this king will come again and so what does that mean for us now in the daily battles that we have? Well, as he comes for his, his uh, bride, as he comes for the church, and he comes for his children, he doesn't come uh, weekly or even by himself. But uh, as we think about uh, the, the other realm, so to speak, uh, we can think about the myriads of angels that are fighting Satan and his uh, evil angels on our behalf. You know, they are winning the battle. You know, they are fighting for us uh, against Satan and his, and his minions. 
to uh, win the day and who the battle would uh, be going on, but the war is already won. And the war was won at the cross with Jesus. And so even though there's these little skirmishes and battles going on in the outskirts, uh, I mean, the war has been won already. And so we know the outcome. We know that our life is already hidden with Christ in God. And so we um, need not worry. We need not fear temptation. Uh, we can simply kind of proclaim the name of Jesus. In that name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that he is a mighty Savior. And that is an interesting, you know, preparation for the marriage feast um, is a very is a very important thing. So, for example, it's Thanksgiving. So if we were to think that we're going to have a Thanksgiving meal, just like uh, any other meal, uh, if you're going to have the turkey, if you're going to have all the other um, uh, preparations that you would have, that it would be impossible to do it in an hour. The, the Thanksgiving meal is not a microwavable meal. Well, maybe some people are doing microwave. I don't know. But most of the time, I know for us that's not true for us today, um, but it, there's preparation and there's a need to prepare and so forth. And that's why we have the season of Advent that's why this passage, who would have thought this is an Advent type of theme of realizing that we do need to prepare because this is what we have to look forward to, but the battle continues today. So I want to do this, Pastor, as we prepare for Advent. Why is it important that we prepare, for example, the coming of Christ or, or uh, when we have Lent or those kind of things? Why is, it, why is it good that we prepare, stay awake, as you mentioned before, for Christ's coming as we see with Solomon's arrival at the marriage feast? Well, just like, you know, when uh, we were preparing for Thanksgiving Day, it was because uh, we were awaiting people that we love. And when we are excited to see somebody, they, you know, we clean the house, we get a meal prepared, and we eagerly look forward to seeing them, opening the door for them, and seeing them face to face. And, you know, uh, I think I said in the Devotion on Tuesday, uh, I do a daily devotion online that, uh, you know, Christ already lives in us, so it's a daily living with Him, but we don't want Him to be living in filth. We don't want Him to be uh, amidst all of our sin, and so we are continuously uh, confessing our sin, repenting of it, and getting rid of it so that. Uh, uh, you know, in my favorite thing to say uh, in the old liturgy, create me and clean heart, O oh God, and you will like spirit within me. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what Advent is about, creating us a, a clean heart and renewing our spirits so that we can truly enjoy, celebrate the Christmas festival. And so the uh, Christmas festival and the Easter festival and all of those things never end. We can have true joy so that our hearts aren't filled with clutter so that we can uh, live in true joy and have true joy in our Lord Jesus so the lives in our hearts and living together in joy and peace. So let's keep moving forward. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, verses 9 and 10 for King Solomon made himself something. So verses 9 and 10. King Solomon made himself a carriage from the wood of Lebanon. 
He made it post of silver, its back of gold, its seat of purple, its interior was inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. So he prepares. He doesn't just make a chair. I mean, that's kind of what we feel here. He's making some kind of chair or something along those lines. But it definitely has um, a beauty to it, much like we see throughout the book. So what is going on here? This is really strange. Like, you think he'd come in battling, and they're just going to say, and then he kicks butt and he get married, and then they go off away. But it stops a little bit and talks about this chair. Any thoughts on these two verses? Yeah, um, in uh, my little Lutheran study Bible here, it talks about how this is reminiscent of the temple and uh, of the palace. And so this is all, um, when you think of it, the temple being inlaid with gold, and this seat or this carriage is inlaid with love. It's a wonderful little little saying right there. Instead of being inlaid with gold, it's inlaid with love. And so they're covered in love. The post of silver, the bank of gold, the seat of purple, but the interior, the, the heart of it, is then made with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. So um, that's some pretty deep poetry right there that really cuts to the heart of the whole thing. That this is uh, not so much about Solomon, but it's about God and his people. And the king, the Lord God, the king, coming to his people and coming on a, a chariot that is. Uh, his um, uh, coming down from heaven with all the splendor and might that heaven brings. It's beautiful, beautiful, uh, you know, vision, a beautiful sight to even, hard to even think about and comprehend how, how beautiful that sight would be. And it makes, me, it makes me think about, you know, we'll say something like, it was a labor of love, mm-hmm. um, people will say. Yeah. So they'll build something for somebody else, and you're like, how much did that cost? Like, how much time did that take? And and what was all done? And somebody will say, well, it was a labor of love, meaning that the whole time they were doing this, they did it because they love the person who's going to receive it. And I think that relates to what we're talking about here is you don't just put silver and gold and a seat of purple on some, to for somebody that you don't really care for. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you do it for someone that you love. And that relates back to us. How does that relate back to us in God's love? Well, it's the care that our Lord took to care for us. And how it's not just uh, thrown together in a moment, but how um, he cared for us and loved us. Uh, if we think back to the whole idea of the temple, um, you know, as Christians in the Christian church, as in our own churches, we take care to, um, you know, we're in the process of decorating for Christmas here at church. We're the believer, so that's that close already. So we take care, we don't just throw stuff up on the walls, we put our best foot forward, and we make it look as beautiful as possible because we care about the Lord the most more than anybody, so we're not going to skimp on things, we're not going to make it, um, it's everything, like you said, it's a labor of love, it's something we do uh, with great care and with great concern because we love the Lord because He first loved us and He loved Himself up for us. 
And this brings me back. Like you were talking about how there's little bits and pieces of wisdom here. And I'm thinking about what does this mean for us as husbands to our wives? What does it mean for us as Christians to our neighbor? And the um, when when as God calls us to generosity, I think this kind of gives us a little bit of a, I would say, a, an encouragement at the very least to do the same for our neighbors. Any thoughts? Yeah, but as soon as, uh, you know, as I was preparing for our book today, I was reading through the, the whole Song of Solomon, and it's, uh, um, you know, you get that little feeling in your guts, like, man, I haven't been treating my wife like this, and I really need to uh, re- not just respect her, but to uh, look at her with eyes of love. Um, and so, the uh, you know, when you're, first fall in love, everything is gooey-gooey and, and happy-sappy, but then you kind of get used to each other and you take each other for granted, and I think um, you know, you have to continually um, renew that uh, those eyes of love for your loved ones, for your kids, for your wife, for, for all of your family, and especially on Thanksgiving Day today, it's a good thing to to do that to to see your loved ones the way God sees them, and to take extra special care to love them and to put your best foot forward for them. That's a good reminder for all of us as as couples, as Christian people, is how can we not only give thanks, eat turkey, watch a few football games. And go to sleep. I mean, tryptophan is a real thing on, on Thanksgiving Day, right? When you're in your turkey. But also a reminder mm-hmm. of, okay, giving thanks leads to mercy, as our Lord reminds us to be merciful as he is merciful. And so how can we extend this mercy to others in love, labor of love, and to serve as our Lord has first served us? So we have we have a few minutes left here, Pastor. I want to do verse 11 and then to, to come back and to be able to look at this all together and what it means for us today. So verse 11. Go out, O daughters of Zion, and look upon King Solomon with the crown with which his mother crowned him on the day of his wedding, on the day of the gladness of his heart. So there's a number of, I would say, reflections throughout Scripture with these words. Where do you, where do you want to begin um, in verse 11? Well, it's... Uh, um in trying to prepare for this, I was trying to find out kind of the wedding customs of the uh, the day, and it, it's really quite vague as to what this all actually means or what's going on. But um, as we know, uh, Solomon had a lot of wives, but uh, there's been a lot of talk that the woman in son of Solomon was his first wife, and I think you might have talked about it already, mm-hmm. that this could be Abishag, who was the servant of David, um, and how many things we have a bit of history with this, that it could be uh, the Shulamite, could be actually be a Shunamite, and we can't get into that, all that, but that's a, when we think of Solomon's mom here, that uh, uh, you think of Bathsheba, and all the history that goes with that. And she worked to get his son to be king. And uh, whether it's talking about 
uh, her crowning him as king or whether this was uh, a uh, crown that the husband wore on the wedding day, we're, we're not quite sure. But it's uh, uh, nevertheless, it, it, we're looking at the king with with joy, with amazement, with, uh, you know, with honor. And because um, he, it says, the last line, on the day of the gladness of his heart. So he has his wife. And if we take a step back and look at it from uh, us being Christ's bride, uh, he is the king, and we look on him with honor and power and majesty and might and dominion and glory and praise. And uh, there's all sorts of um, hints at revelation here in the king sitting on his throne, high and exalted. Isaiah 6. And um, so, so much imagery that it's hard to uh, encapsulate it all into, into one thought. And that, that is really good because you do get that marriage feast understanding, which in many ways, like you said, you go from, I need to I love my bride more, I need to, you know, to do better, to, wow, look what this will be like. You know, this 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 day when Christ returns, on that day is wedding, the gladness of his heart, not only the Lord's gladness, but our gladness when Christ does return. And and he tells us, go out, look upon King Solomon, which how can that not be an encouragement for us to go out? I think Great Commission can be part of this as well, understanding go out and live in this world, make disciples, live your life, look to the Lord Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and and to look at the crown of glory that is still yet to come in the final in the final resurrection when Jesus comes. For there would be all joy, no more tears, no more death, no more any of that, and the connections that we see. And that's why I would encourage you, our listeners, when we think about the next wedding you go to, especially one that's done in the church and has scripture involved in it and everything, that we are able to say, wow, this not only shows us the Adam and Eve connection, but also shows us God's love for his church, that this husband and wife are coming together, also points us to the future marriage feast. I mean, just think about that. That is, that's exactly the connection that we can see here. So I would encourage you to think about that the next wedding you go to. Pastor, we have about two minutes left. As you look at all this, how would you summarize this wonderful chapter and how it points us to Christ? Uh, when we are going through life struggles and we're wondering where Christ is, um, we only need to look to where he is found in his word and in the sacrament. And then we'll see that he's been right there all the time. And when we see him in his word and his sacrament, uh, you know, when we come to the uh, come to worship on Sunday morning, it's always a little little slice of heaven just coming to worship and sitting with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's a great feast, even though it's just a, usually a little wafer and a little wine. It's a great feast, and you know, when we think about the sun juice thing and the liturgy. Uh, the night before that, we stayed together with angels and archangels and with the whole company of heaven to magnify your glorious name. And, um, so, you know, sometimes when we're um, dealing with life and, and with all the troubles that we have, the best, best place to go 
there's the church <laughs> where in sure to be found and find Christ there is great relief and we can see him who see him who comes to us uh, in uh, great glory and might and honor as we look forward to the day when we'll see him fully as even as he is fully known. And so I look forward to that day with great joy, but knowing that that joy is already here for us here on earth. And we thank the Lord for it. Pastor Jeremy Klostermeyer of St. John Lutheran Church in Warrington, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Song of Songs, Chapter 3. Pastor Klostermeyer, thank you for the gifts. You are very welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, brother. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Saints of our Lord Solomon and the Shulamite were preparing for the feast. She thought she had lost him, but he was not lost. He's the one who was there, and he's the one that came in glory to show her that she was the one, the labor of love, and there was great joy around this marriage feast. And this prepares us for the future. You know a wedding. The preparation is extensive, and theologians compare this preparation for the time we wait for the coming of the Lord. The harvest is plentiful, the work is great, and we know that the feast is ready. Now in Christ we say, Amen, Lord Jesus, come quickly, and he will. Lord, prepare us. I'm your host, Brady Fender, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A blessed Thanksgiving to all of you, and thank you for joining us. For the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.